You are Locked On the NFL, your daily NFL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, hello. I am back. I apologize. I couldn't do my Monday show yesterday. So our founder, David Locke, filled in and interviewed some of the Locked On hosts from across the network. That went really well. I listened to it. I hope you did as well. But I am back with our typical Tuesday show. That means Sage Rosenfeld. Sage, what is happening? I tell you what, another uh, unbelievable weekend of football uh, in the NFL. Were there three or four overtime games? That's last, that last night's game was, uh, I think, probably the best game the NFL has seen this year. It was, uh, you wonder why the NFL is king. That was it. And, and look at the ratings, by the way. Ratings are up all oh, over are the place. So. Uh, yeah, I think last night's ratings were up like 8% over last year. Uh, you know, if you look at all the other TV stuff, uh, you know, with, with all the stuff that's going on, Netflix and, and all these other things, TV ratings are just generally down amongst across the board. Uh, the NFL is actually staying pretty solid right now, if not, if anything, that they've actually gone up. So good news for the league. Yeah, and a game like last night will get people coming back for more. Um, before we talk about last night, because there's a lot to discuss and it was a heck of a game, have you ever played in Denver? And to me, if I had to vote, and I'm not, never was a player, obviously, that would be the number one hardest place to play. And you could just tell the crowd noise, but especially the altitude is such a difference for these guys. Yeah, and you could see it, uh, you know, with how much Mahomes was uh, running around last night. Yeah. You could see him a couple times come to the sideline, and he, you know, he's breathing heavy, and he's walking to the sideline for like a timeout, and he just sort of continued. You could just start to like tell, like he's just not getting enough oxygen back. Usually, you, know, you breathe hard for about fifteen seconds, and then you're good. In, in Colorado, it's you know, it's thirty seconds to a minute before you sort of you get you get your full oxygen back, and you see guys in the sidelines. I saw Von Miller. Uh, hooked up to the oxygen last night. Yeah, it is it is challenging, and and you know usually you don't think for a quarterback uh, guys uh, having trouble breathing, but with how with how much Mahomes uh, was running around last night, uh, yeah, he definitely got his money's worth, and and he was breathing heavy too. Yeah, and you'll often see pass rushers at the end of the games for uh, the opponent, uh, the away team struggling. I mean, just snap after snap, having to go after a quarterback, and like you said with Mahomes, you could just tell too that he was screaming at the top of his lungs just to get the play calls and the audibles and those type of things. Um, yeah, I mean, it did look like a challenge. I bet his heart was beating a million miles an hour. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, I don't want to forget about Case Keenum. You know, I, he, he missed that big throw at the end of that game. Yeah. Uh, but for the most part, you know, I, I love watching Case Keenum play. He just seems to be one of those guys where you feel like your team has a chance with him at quarterback. You know, like he does a lot of really good stuff. He he generally takes care of the football. He's a little bit of a gunslinger. Uh, but, you know, even when your team's down, he's one of those guys who's just sort of gutsy enough to make, uh, you know, some some big plays. And, and uh, you know, he was fun to watch. I was I was sort of rooting for the Broncos last night because I've sort of become a Case Keenum fan. Uh, you know, I was with the Texans. He was at the University of Houston ah. throwing 40, 45 touchdowns every year and, and just putting up crazy numbers over there. And then to sort of see his NFL career, he's just gotten better and better and better. And uh, it's great to see him, one, get paid by the Broncos. But uh, I think he's said he, he gives that team a chance. And that Broncos team, they were, you know, they're two and two. They were very, very close to being, you know, three and one uh, and tied for the Chiefs in that division. But uh, uh, that, that was a very, very fun game to watch. Yeah, it really was. And 
I thought it was Keenum's best game yet as a Bronco uniform, that, that miss to the Marius aside. And I'm just curious, as you were sitting there kind of praising Keenum, do you kind of see a little yourself in him? I mean, from what I remember with your playing style, you had a, a similar makeup. Yeah, you know, there was, there was times in my career where I felt like, I, you know, I was sort of a conservative and I didn't want to make mistakes and, and, and you know, you don't want to turn the ball over and you sort of go into a shell. And then there were other times that I think when I was at my best, uh, when we were, you know, maybe behind or I'd get thrown in there when, when somebody else would get hurt and you just sort of like play loose and then try to make things happen. And that's when I was at my best. I might turn the ball over a little bit, you know, during those types of games, but uh, usually I was making a lot of really good plays. And, and uh, yeah, when I was, when I was sort of uh, had the more aggressive mentality, that's when I played my best football. And I think that goes the same with, uh, with Case Keenum. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. We have to talk a little bit about Mahomes. I mean, this guy has been the biggest story of the season. He's having the best year of any quarterback thus far through, you know, the quarter point here of the year. He makes the lefty throw, which was just so Farvian and ridiculous at a key time. Seemed to get better as the game went on. All that being said, and his poise, I think, is really, really impressive. I tell my buddies, you know, like, you're going to be blown away by this guy's arm strength. But I'm blown away by him every time I see him even more than the last. You know, like, rolling left and he throws it right, or vice versa. On a line, I mean, a laser, he throws, I mean, Aaron Rodgers-like, but maybe even with more velocity. Yeah, they're, they're, it's hard to compare guys to Aaron Rodgers. And, and this, Mahomes might be the, the first guy uh, yeah. that I can think of that you really can compare the two. I mean, uh, you know, uh, he, he, he's a much better athlete. Uh, then you sort of you know re- you, don't, you, don't, you initially realize you think you know the kid's got the big arm and this that and the other. He's a really good athlete. He moves around extremely well. Mm-hmm. He's you know very flexible. Uh, he moves around the pocket right and left. Uh, you, I Just sort to stop of wish you he real wasn't... quick. He looks really balanced when he's moving, no matter what. Like his he never yeah, looks awkward. Yes. Yeah, you know, and I think I've always and I was just talking about this this morning on another show, but I. And there's, I think there's like a law of diminishing returns as guys get taller, you know, oh, yeah. and I'm six, yeah. four, but as guys get six, four, six, five, six, six, you know, guys like Peyton Man, Tom Brady, you just can't move nearly as well. Uh, but when you get the guys that are more like Mahomes, I don't know what his exact height is, maybe six, two, six, three at the compact most. Compact guy. Yeah, more compact guy. Favre was six, two. Aaron Rodgers is six, two. Drew Brees is barely six foot. You know, I th- I just think those guys move around, you know, just so much better and, and sort of have more, they're more agile. Uh, they can go left to right better, but yeah, his arm is huge. His flexibility to, you know, to be able to run left and throw back, right. You have to have incredible flexibility, which, which by the way, does die out over time. Yeah, you just right, don't see 38 year old quarterbacks making those throws because your body just refuses to be flexible like that. So uh, he can obviously make all the throws, but what I think is interesting about him is, the just traditional, conventional, you know, Andy Reid West Coast plays where it's all timing and, you know, maybe it's a 10 yard out route by Kelsey, you know, from the tight end position. He's really accurate with throws, with those. He's got great footwork. And that to me is important. It's not necessarily, I mean, he makes the great plays and he makes the great throws, and that's great. But just the ability to execute the, the just sort of the basic things at a high level, those will, you know, are something that are sort of like the foundation of a quarterback. Mm-hmm. And I think 
those are things that you can really work on your rookie year when you're not forced in to start. You can spend a ton of time, uh, you know, obviously during practices with the scout team, after practice, the off season. Uh, you know, he really got to hone those types of things. Uh, uh, you know, the, the, those basic foundational timing skills, and that's what that sort of excites me about him is. You know, for like I, I watch Mitchell Trubisky and his timing's off. His, he's got sort of pitter patter feet sometimes, and he's not always super accurate just on those those you know, those throws that should be uh, you know basically pitch and catch. Mahomes, you can tell he is he's really uh, you know sort of sharpened uh, uh, you know his tools there and and uh, does a really nice job of this, those, those traditional throws. Yeah, and guys like him often are very inconsistent, and he certainly is not. Great, great insight. Um, and Sage also writes for The Athletic. If you want to get even more of his written work, you know, he's been a really uh, a huge assist to us here every Tuesday. But if you go to theathletic.com slash LockedOnNFL, all one word, all lowercase, you get 40% off an already cheap subscription to bring it down to $2.99 a month. So The Athletic is a subscription-based publisher of smarter sports coverage for diehard fans like yourself. Their model is very simple. There's no ads or pop-ups or autoplay videos or any of that nonsense. So instead, readers subscribe for authentic, in-depth coverage written by journalists who know their teams inside and out. Coverages will go beyond game recaps and trade speculation to provide smarter analysis and deeper perspective about teams and the league. And this is the thing that blows me away. There's more than 650 news stories and articles published every week on The Athletic across all sports. And... Now, not only do they have great local writers, they have great um, national writers. Jay Glazer, Lindsey Jones, my man Ross Tucker, Dane Brugler, Mike Lombardi. So again, go to theathletic.com slash LockedOnNFL, all one word, lowercase. Uh, it's 40% off your first year subscription. Gets you down to $2.99 a month. All right, Sage. We talked about Keenum. We talked about Mahomes. I talked about the athletic, and I've been trying to avoid Trubisky talk with you every week, and I know you focused on him, but the dude threw six touchdowns this week and just lit up the Bucks. We have to talk about him again. Yeah, you know, the, the two teams I cover the closest, the Vikings, who I write for the athletic for, and, and, and the Bears, uh, you know, both have really fun games to analyze this week, and, you know, Trubisky, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's great to talk about him. He had a great game through six touchdown passes, uh, you know, in the game, but one of them was basically a jet sweep. That was yeah, one was. of those, you know, six inch passes. So, you know, we can sort of take that one off, but it counts. It counts. I'll tell you what, if, if it was me, that should be uh, a hand that one was a touchdown pass. Right. So, <laughs> um, well, I, I think, I think the bigger conversation with Trubisky and, and again, he had a really good game. Uh, he hit guys that were open. Uh, he did a nice job moving the pocket. The kid's an incredible athlete. I, mm-hmm. He is really fast. He's got great feet, and uh, he takes off and runs a couple times. He had some long runs uh, in this game. Uh, you know, he was the lean rusher for the Bears actually in this game. Had three rushes for over 50 yards. But what what Matt Nagy is doing with him is in a similar way what. Sean McVay did with Jared Goff. You know, he took this mm-hmm. kid who's a raw athlete, has you know certain skill sets, and uh, and and it's, what's really nice is the quarterbacks actually sort of fit the coordinators perfectly. You know, I I think that uh, with the Rams, you know, McVay's offense is really perfect uh, for Jared Goff. Well, in this system, Matt Nagy's offense I think is perfect for Mitchell Trubisky, and it really goes to show more than any other sport, baseball, basketball. 
anything else in football coaching is so valuable and so much more important than the other sports. And we're seeing that with the improvement you know, of Trubisky. And so there were some beautiful you know, diagram plays in that game. Uh, you know, the, the Bears offensive line is, I, I think, underrated. They did a fantastic yeah. job because there was, there was three really long plays in this game uh, that, uh, that, that he hit. I mean, actually, he probably hit more than that, but there were three that were really notable. That were sort of the highlight plays, a couple touchdowns. Uh, and, and all those plays, those are like three hitch throws. Uh, so, you know, the Bears offensive line did a great job in this game, but a you know, really well designed offense. They do a lot of lateral stuff uh, because they have, you know, Tariq Cohen and Taylor Gabriel. Two guys are very similar, so hard to guard. And, uh, and, and Nagy does a great job of putting those guys in position uh, to be basically impossible to guard and, and, and to be successful. Yeah, those are the stars of the show in terms of, you know, skill players in this one. Um, I actually just turned in about a 2,000-word article for ClaytonFootball.com this morning that I wrote really breaking down the Bears, and I pretty much said everything you just did, and uh, to take it a step further, I used the, the Rams comparison in terms of coaching, team building, how to bring along a quarterback properly that was an early draft pick and very talented, but I also used the Jags as, a, as an example, the, the last year Jags of... If Trubisky can be the 2017 version of Blake Bortles with that Bears D and leaning on Jordan Howard more than they had to against the Bucks, they're going to be tough to beat. Yeah, well, I think he's going to be much better than Trubisky. I think he already is much or I'm sorry, I think Trubisky is already much better than Blake Bortles, in my opinion. I don't disagree. I, I, get, I, yeah. I, I get your point yeah. of, you know, if he can sort of be the game manager. Don't screw uh, it up. But, but yeah, but I think Trubisky can be better than that. I, I, I tell you what, this... This Bears team, you, you you asked me if you would ask me on September first, who's going to win the NFC North? I said, well, it's going to be, you know, it's going to come down to, uh, you know, the, the Vikings or the Packers. It's going to be one right. of those two teams. Probably a field goal here or there, turnover here or there. You know, the the uh, the Lions. I think won nine games last year. You know, they they might have a chance to make the playoffs. You know, the Bears. Eh, you know, the Bears. Now you're looking at it and you go, I I tell you what, I think this is the Bears division to lose. And you know, the, just the way the Vikings are struggling. Their defense is getting lit up uh, the last few games. They're just not the same defense for whatever reason. Uh, they can, they're last in the league and running the football. The Vikings uh, offensive line isn't great pass protectors. So if they're not running the football, they got big problems. And so I, you know, I don't know where Minnesota Minnesota is going to be. Uh, you know, the, the, the Packers are basically Aaron Rodgers, and, and then, you know, nothing really special around him that I, that I can really see. Uh, so I, I think over time, I think this Bears team is a legitimate contender uh, to win this NFC North, and I, I think they're going to do that. Their defense is really good. Vic Fangio, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's a head coach candidate, you know, very, very soon. Uh, he, he has, you know, he's, he's got a great scheme. They I, Interesting stat I saw this morning, the Bears have blitzed the least Hmm. Of any other any team in the NFL, yet they're getting a ton of pressure. Right. I wonder why that is. <laughs> right. I mean, this by the way, the the better the Bears defense does, and the better Khalil Mack thing does. Obviously, all of our minds go directly to what was Gruden thinking? You yes. just don't give away a young player in his prime. You know, sort of pay the man. You know, just pay the man, and uh, they didn't. So. Uh, but yeah, the, the the Bears are the benefactors of that, and they got a really good defense, and and shoot, their offense was hitting all cylinders on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, after they drafted Roquan in the first round, he kind of just perfectly fell into their lap. 
I, I, and I think he's only going to get better, too. I mean, he's going to be a difference maker in a big way. I said pretty much after the draft, like, boy, I love this defense. They're only really missing one thing. They need the, the edge rusher to make Leonard Floyd a two instead of a one. And yep. boom, they grab Mac. And now I think, yeah, I mean, I think them and the Jags have clearly the best two defenses in the league. Um, and the other th- note I just wanted to make is, well, first of all, they're not going to play the Bucks every week and throw for six touchdowns. I mean, I, I also think this game was a reflection on just how awful the Bucks' pass defense truly is. But Trubisky, at this point of his career, isn't great with pressure, as most quarterbacks are. And you mentioned that line. I think that line, and especially Leno, the left tackle, have really kind of gone under the radar as good a good group. Yeah, they, they are a very good group. And, and I think, you know, what has made them better is an offensive coordinator that really keeps a defense, uh, uh, you know, second guessing themselves all the time. I mean, they, there's so many things mm-hmm. that this offense does. It makes, you know, defense, they're not just sitting there going, okay, you know, Eli Manning's back there. We're just going to, uh, you know, drop back in the pot. He's going to drop back and we're going to, you know, we're going to try to race to that six or seven yard spot and try to get, get to that spot and beat my man. There's just so much going on. Uh, I, by the way, I love, how NFL teams are stealing more and more stuff from college football. You know, some people yes. are NFL people, some people are college football people. And usually the NFL, for whatever reason, is a little bit behind. I think just because there's so many college football coaches and teams that there's more ideas and creativity uh, and people are sort of more willing to take chances and, and do different things. And and the NFL occasionally steals little, you know, little stuff from, from college football. But what I love right now in the NFL is you're seeing teams um, draft or sign guys that traditionally wouldn't have been nearly as valuable. Uh, you see the Rams. They have three wide receivers who are all burners. And, and, and Cooper Cup's a fast kid, but he's not as fast as that. Brandon Cooks might be one of the fastest guys in the NFL. Uh, and Robert Woods is a, is a burner as well. So you got three really fast ride receivers over there. None of those guys are, you know, Julio Jones, the number six, four, six, five, right. And in the, in the, the history of the league, it was always like, Hey, we want to go out and get that big, fast, strong guy, you know, to win those one-on-one matchups when teams go single high safety, we got, you know, corners on an Island out there that's changing. And the bears are, I think, you know, the bears and Kansas city uh, and the Rams, you know, three teams that are, I think are on the sort of the forefront of, Let's get those really, really fast guys that maybe mm-hmm. traditionally other teams didn't value as much. And, and maybe you don't have to pay them 12 or $15 million a year or whatever. But, uh, you know, guys like Taylor Gabriel and Tariq Cohen is really almost like a wide receiver running back guy. He's just such a threat. And those guys are, are really, really scary for defenses because they can, you know, they can go the distance every time they touch the ball. Yeah, I, I love that you you went there because my next note to bring up with you is just scheme. And you mentioned it really in a nutshell, but I very much believe that many, many NFL coaches spent the offseason studying the teams you mentioned, you know, Andy Reid, McVay, Shanahan in San Francisco, the Super Bowl champion Eagles, you know, and it amazes me that teams like Baltimore now have included this these type of schemes and they you know, a lot more misdirection, jet action, RPOs, stuff that was college, and it's made quarterbacks' lives so much easier, especially the young guys that were just coming from the college ranks. And I can't remember a time when I think schemes advanced so rapidly in one season. I used to look at the the 32 teams and be like, four or five of them that I mentioned are ahead of everybody else. But now 20 of them 
have caught up to those guys from a year ago, and then the Chiefs and Rams added to it. You know, so I, I, I think you understand what I'm saying here. Like, I'm blown away by how schemed up these offenses are, and the numbers are showing it. Well, I think there is an aspect of NFL football where teams who really don't want to run bad plays. You know, there's nothing mm-hmm. worse than, you know, running a play. Now, let's say it's a running play into a bad look where there's an unblocked safety. And now we've got a, you know, a, either a no yard gain or a, a couple yard loss. You know, there's in, in college football, you see that a little more. You know, there's just less advancement of the sort of the X's and O's of the game. What's interesting now is all this jet sweep stuff and all this lateral stuff. Uh, you do see occasionally sort of plays run into bad looks, but you also see, you know, just by the way these offenses are, you see plays that are almost accidentally run into great looks just because the defense, there's just so much for them to try to, you know, they, they have to make all these decisions. These linebackers and these safeties that are down around the line of scrimmage and defensive ends, they have to make a lot of decisions. You know, so should fast, I do this? Too. Should I do that? And so fast. Right. And what gap do I have? So fast. You know, as a, yeah, as a linebacker, I've got this gap. So I see a little run action. Do I go there? But then I, I also know that if this receiver runs a slant, you know, he, he, there, there's going to be a wide open little hole behind me. So they're causing defensive players to make a lot of decisions, split second decisions on the fly. And a lot of times they can't be right. And I, and I think Just, that to me is that's the magic of this, this RPO, you know, spread offense game. That's sort of new to league, new to the league. Yeah. And kind of like you mentioned, you're seeing a lot of that jet action and just think about it. If you're an edge defender or an outside linebacker in a four, three and Tyreek Hill is screaming across the formation pre-snap right at you. Now, you know, it changes all your gap responsibilities. Is he going to get the ball? What am I going to hold my ground? And meanwhile, Hunt goes up the middle for 15. You're like, there's just so much to think about so fast and so threatening. Yeah, and, and so we, we look back and, and the way defenses used to be, they just weren't that complicated. They just didn't see, you know, all this action. And, uh, you know, th- th- there's a lot of reasons, you know, that the scoring is way up around the league this mm-hmm. year. Uh, I think that's part of the reason, you know, all these RPO type stuff, which I think is great. Um, I, I, th- I do believe that, you know, obviously, the you know, protecting the quarterbacks. Quarterbacks have not gotten hurt yet. I mean, how many times mm-hmm. have we been through four weeks of the season and, uh, you know, for the most part, I think all the starters are basically out there right now. And, and in the past, it does always seem like there's a couple guys who have already been on put on IR after a month into the season. It hasn't happened yet. I think all these really fast, uh, you know, wide receivers and these styles of offense have just you know created more yardage and creating, uh, you know, more points. And uh, I tell you what, it's a, it's a lot of fun to watch. And the NFL has been trying to find different ways to make make uh, the NFL games have more offense and, and more scoring fans love it they they know for a fact that you know t- games that are 42 to 35 or uh, usually have higher ratings than games that are 17 14 that's that's just sort of the way it goes and I don't think it has a lot as much to do with the rules as people realize I actually think it's just the fact that NFL teams uh, are now you know t- taking a lot of these college concepts probably even advanced uh, or added more advanced aspects to them. Uh, and, and now they're putting up a lot of yards. Yeah. And it's absolutely showing up and the fantasy community loves it. And my hometown of Pittsburgh can't stand it. Like where's Joe green. Where's Jack Lambert. I mean, they, and I'm trying to tell people there's no defense in the league anymore. Just get over it. That's how the world works. Um, I got one more topic for you, Sage, but first I want to tell everyone about my bookie. I have almost every podcast here on the Locked On Network, we talk about my bookie, and my bookie is flourishing right now. I would only recommend a service to my listeners that's been good to me, which absolutely describes my bookie to a T. You win, they pay. 
They have in-game live betting. I've been doing really well with that. You get a feel for your team in the first quarter, then put money down after the, the, the kickoff, which is great. They have over-unders on fantasy points scored and the most re rewarding player perks in the business. They're doing such a good job, and they're so slammed with new bettors right now, and they want to give you the best service possible. So this is what they're offering. So if you can wait till after 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern, eat dinner, relax, and then go to my bookie, they give you 25 bucks for free. So not only do they match your deposit dollar for dollar, but if you put in at least 100 bucks after 7 p.m., they give you another 25 bucks. And all you got to do is use our promo code LOCKEDON25. That's the number 25 after LOCKEDON. So that's mybookie.com, M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use our promo code LOCKEDON25 for the extra 25 bucks. I mean, it's really the best deal in town. It's something you got to do without question. All right, Sage, we mentioned one of these guys. And going into the season, two pretty entrenched starters, I said, are not NFL starting quarterbacks anymore. You know, that they their level of play is proven enough that you got to move on from these guys. And they're proving me wrong. And that's Flacco, who I think is honestly playing the best of his career and is really aided by scheme, like we mentioned, and better weapons, better health. And Bortles, who I'm not as, I'm not ready to jump on the Bortles train and say, I was wrong, he's great, he's good. And you kind of mentioned it earlier, that Trubisky's a better player than Bortles. But he's exceeding my expectations this year, and they both are by leaps and bounds. Yeah, but I, by, well, by the way, I will add, I, I mean, I listen, I backed up Eli Manning in 2010. That yeah. was a lifetime ago for me. But I think he might be one of those guys where this is just, it's time for him to probably be done. But yeah, yep, yeah. Flacco's playing really, really good football. He played really good versus uh, the Steelers the other yeah. night. And, you know, those games, rather, those games are a lot of fun to watch. Those <laughs> those AFC North battles between Baltimore and, and Pittsburgh. And that game was a blast to watch, but enough, you're a Steelers fan, obviously. But yeah, he's he's playing really, really good football. Uh, they do some really nice things over there in Baltimore. Now, Bortles, you know, the thing is with him is he has a, a ton of weapons. And if you don't realize, mm -hmm. he's got two really good running backs. And D.D. Westbrook uh, has been a great addition for them. Now, I'm a Big 12 guy, Iowa State guy. He was a you know pain in everyone's side uh, down there at Oklahoma with uh with Baker Mayfield. That guy has some jets that very few people have around the league. And so yeah, you know Bartos has a lot of weapons. I saw an interesting stat. I think he has the he, his balls, his passes are, are knocked down uh, more than anyone else in the league. And if you watch that sort of throw, that that slow methodical throwing motion, you know, sort of see why. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know those, def those defensive linemen, he makes that little hitch in the back of his throwing motion that allows the defensive lineman to stop the pass rush, stick up his hands, and they knock down a ton of balls. And so, yeah, that's a very good football team. It's amazing what Doug Marone and Tom Coughlin have done down there in just a couple seasons. Yeah, no, no doubt. And they know who he is, and they've structured their team around him. It still amazes me that they haven't brought in competition or drafted Lamar Jackson or traded for Teddy Bridgewater or you know anything this offseason, but it's working. He is making throws, and like you said, he has a plethora of weapons, and his numbers are good. And Flacco, I'm just blown away. I mean, I really got to admit that Flacco is playing really well, and I, I, maybe I was wrong on him. Maybe I threw the, the dirt on his grave too early. And, and I'm with you, though, on Eli. I mean, it might be time to be done there. But we yeah, are done and, here. And go ahead, go ahead. 
Yeah, I was to say the thing with Flacco is he's always been a pretty pretty accurate thrower, and he's just one of those guys that doesn't move around much in the pocket. Uh, but so far, uh, he hasn't needed to, and he he made some really good throws the other night, really accurate throws in the tight quarters, and he's playing really really good football. Fun a- to watch. Absolutely, Sage. Thanks for coming on. What's it, what's your Twitter handle again, too? I just want to make sure all our listeners are following you. Uh, Sage Rosenfels eighteen okay. is my Twitter. Very cool. I'm at Williamson NFL. I'm at ClaytonFootball.com, too. That's where you'll find all my written work. Tomorrow, I will be back talking to Mike Renner, doing some more analytics work from Pro Football Focus. And Sage will be back next Tuesday. Thanks so much. Spread the word.